And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Before we get started, let me welcome everybody back to the JZL Modcast Podcast Network. Um, if you are a returning listener and you've listened to the previous two episodes of the, of the podcast, uh, it's going to be a little bit different. I know, you know it's been over two years since I've recorded the last episode. But uh, the last time, I, I kind of went off on a tangent, and I, I I don't know. I was still dealing with some issues, and I don't think I was very entertaining. So this time around, what we're going to do is we're going to investigate everything that is considered nerd culture within our Western culture. And that is, let's see, movies. Cartoons, anime, manga, comic books, comic book movies, uh, science fiction, Star Wars. Well, uh, Star Wars kind of falls in. Well, Star Wars kind of stands alone. Anything that is considered nerd, uh, we will tackle. Well, not anything. Because, like, for example, we're not going to talk about quantum physics. We're not going to talk about suppressed algorithms. We're not going to dive into mathematics. Not not to that level. We want to... Anything on a, an entertainment level, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, anything, like I said, comic books, cartoons, toys, you know, why not? There's a brand new, well, it, it came out last year. There's um, a, a series on Netflix that is all about toys from like the 80s and 90s and back. But so far, they focused on, you know, like He-Man, Transformers and stuff like that, which they're on season three and it is awesome. So why not? You know, we, we may even talk a little bit about action figures and toys and He-Man and and what did I say? Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that kind of thing. Anything that is considered nerd, we are going to tackle. I plan on doing this once a week, so we will find out what happens. I, I think there's plenty enough stuff to tackle every week that we could keep this going for a long time. Also, what I plan on doing is I'm going to pull up some things from online and whatever I hear here, <laughs> sorry, whatever I see rather, uh, I'll, I'll tackle it. I know that there's some things in, in, uh, in the news feed that I think I want to uh, cover and I'm, I'm We'll, we'll go with that. We'll have a good time. And I, I appreciate you. If you're brand new to the Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network and you're brand new to my public life as American Nerd, let me introduce myself real fast. I'll try not to be too much of an egocentric a-hole. I'm going to try to keep this clean because it is nerd culture. We're going to talk about nerdy stuff. So there's a high probability that underage listeners are going to be tuning in as well. So I'm going to keep it clean. My name is David K. Montoya. I reside in a small little town in Southern California of about 100,000 people called Apple Valley. Um, if you are older than, say, 35, you may recognize Apple Valley with uh, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. If you don't, If you don't know who they are, I definitely suggest that you go and you Google them. They are former Hollywood stars back in the heyday of Hollywood. Very, yeah. Go ahead, check it out. I, you might be entertained. 
I'm already giving you homework, and we're not even five minutes into the show. Um, let's see. I am a writer. I've been known to write a book. I, uh, I, I frequently write short stories on theworldofmyth.com, which is an online magazine. It's a literary magazine. I post fiction uh, of multiple genres, fantasy, horror, comedy, action suspense. Um, I've been known to write a movie script or three. Let's see. Before all that, I was known as an independent comic book writer. I founded uh, Dark Myth Productions Studios, which, well, what it became Dark Myth Productions Studios. Uh, originally in 1992, and what happened there was is I, I would go and write out story, draw it up. My brother would ink it, I'd color it, and we would go and make photo uh, color copies of the comic book, staple them up, and sell them off. And that's how it started. Uh, I'm also an artist, like I said, because I, I drew the comic books. I, I'm not huge on being an artist it's just something that i can do and it's a necessary evil in order to get things done again on the world of myth you'll see me post artwork and once in a great while i will do a variant cover for a comic book here and there but and yeah i i've got three kids uh, two girls one boy uh let's see they will be the girls will be three and seven next month and my oldest will be 17 in November. So they keep me busy. And in order to be an artist, I have to have some time. Plus, there's a plethora of other crap that I do. And again, me being uh, you know, an eagle monster, I'm sure I'm going to bring it up at some point in time. So I'm trying to keep back from like laying it out all thick and heavy, and you're like, oh, man, this guy's a jerk. I don't want to listen to him. So I'm trying to hold it back and, and uh, you know, keep it mellow. Uh, let's see. So other than an artist uh, and a writer, I've dabbled in film. I've directed, fortunately. I've produced. Um, and I am a business entrepreneur. I am the founder of the Jaisal Modcast Podcast Network. I am the founder of the Jaisal Mon uh, Productions, which is the the parent company to pretty much everything that I am involved in and I've created. Um, and most importantly, well, not most importantly, but for sake of argument, let's say most importantly, I am a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2012 and podcasted all the way until, what, 2016. Um, pretty much what had happened, make a very long story short, you can go and listen elsewhere. Because I want to keep this upbeat. My wife had passed away. And at that time, I just kind of shut everything down. Very long story, made it short. Keep it upbeat. Moving forward. Okay. So let's uh, let's go ahead and, and peek in to see what's going on in the world of nerd culture. Uh, I pull up. I've already got my computer ready to go. And, of course, you know, there's things that I, I can already have in the back of my mind that I want to speak on. But, of course, I want to tackle some headlines. Uh, let's go through and see what I can find here. Uh, let's see. What can we find? Now, I know there's, like, some stuff going on with, like, the the Marvel shows and whatnot. But to be honest with you, I don't watch any of the Marvel shows on Netflix. It's just something that I've not gotten into yet. But I will. I'll, I'll eventually get into it. Um, since we're talking about Marvel, let's talk about Mr. Marvel himself. Uh, Stan Lee has made it into the headlines. And, you know, he put out uh, a tweet today, a video tweet. And it was kind of cute. Uh, it was telling people thank you for the well wishes because he had hurt his arm. And, um, you know, kind of played it up a little bit. And you're feeling kind of bad for him. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, you know, I'm doing better. And 
you know, he's back to normal, but he goes, but my, my left hand, or right hand, I don't remember which hand it was specifically, he's like, it, it's kind of green for some reason. And you're like, oh, what? And then he lifts his hand up, and it's a fake Hulk hand. And, it, you know, all light humor, very, you know, just Stanley-esque, you know, very upbeat and, and comical. But anyway, um, he is in the news for a little bit of, uh, well, not a little bit, but serious issues. If anybody that's following Stan Lee, they probably already know that Stan uh, has been having some money issues because somebody's been stealing his money. And not just like here and there, uh, pretty consistent and a lot of it from what I understand. So what I'm seeing right now in the headlines is it says, Judge issues restraining order to protect Stan Lee. Now, this could be a number of different things. The last thing I read about Stanley, I believe, was the beginning of this month or late last month. And that was that some uh, crazy guy actually broke into the house, uh, Stanley's house, and they had to have the cops to remove him. So uh, let's take a look and see what it says here it says a judge today granted a restraining order banning a man once described as stan lee's business manager from having any contact with the 95 year old comic creator ah okay there we go so it, it's the, the former business partner which um a, accordingly accordingly the it's been said that he was he was like one of the big ones behind stealing all of uh, lee's money uh, let's see let's what else what it says it says variety reports that Kenya or Kia Morgan 42 year old memorabilia collector who in recent months have become Stanley's gatekeeper is prohibited from contacting or coming near the legendary writer his daughter JC Lee or his brother Larry labor uh, or uh, I read that wrong I apologize there I didn't see the the comma. Let me let me redo that, and I'll, I'll put the emphasis of where it needs to go. My apologies. Uh, okay, so Variety reports that Kia Morgan, forty-two year old memorabilia collector, who in recent months had been Lee's gatekeeper, is prohibited from contacting or coming near the legendary writer, his daughter, J.C. Lee. Or his brother, Larry Lieber. Oh, interesting. Okay, kind of puts a different spin on it once you you see the. I had to actually. Uh, I I don't know. I guess I'm being old. It was kind of. I didn't see those commas. <laughs> uh, an earlier attempt to obtain a restraining order was denied after Tom Lallis. Attorney representing Lee at the time was accused of acting without his consent. It says Morgan, who had been in the center of much of the recent turmoil surrounding Lee, was charged in June with filing a false police report after he allegedly called 911 to claim the writer was being threatened by two armed men in his home. Oh, so it was fake interesting see i didn't see that part you know the follow-up to that news article so i guess it was fake interesting in reality lee was meeting with two los angeles police detectives and a social worker who were performing a welfare check morgan was prevented from entering the home during the interview following morgan's arrest lee filled or filed a restraining order the man who, comma, only days earlier, comma, he described in a video as his only partner and business manager. I remember that video. Poor Stan. Let's see, it says, Lee signed a declaration in February that the three men, including Morgan had attempted to take advantage of his daughter as a part of a scheme to gain control over my asset, property, and money. I remember that as well. In April, when the declaration came to light, along with accusations of physical and psychological elder abuse by his daughter, Lee angrily denied the allegations in a video recorded by Morgan and threatened 
to sue anyone who made such claims. Today, in court, Lee's attorney, Jonathan Frude, interesting, uh, alleged that Morgan had stolen more than $5 million in artwork, cash, and other assets. He specifically mentioned that Lee is paid in cash for autographs, which may further help to explain why he no longer performs public signings. The lawyer also accused Morgan of moving Lee out of his Hollywood Hills home at midnight on June 8th and taking him to an apartment in efforts to isolate him from his family. Joan Lee, Stanley's wife of 70 years, passed away in December at the age of 93. Since then, one of Lee's associates has been accused of stealing $300,000 from his bank account and using $850,000 of his money to buy a condominium. The same person is alleged to have forged an order for a nurse to draw several vials of Stan's blood, which in recent reports suggest was used to create a link. Oh, that's 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 wrong. They um, they used it to create ink to sign comic books. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's wrong. That is so wrong. I hope things get better for Stan. I mean, come on, he's ninety-five. He shouldn't really have to be put through this kind of torture. You know, especially at ninety-five years old. Good grief. You know, it's like. Why? I mean, well, I, I, I see why. Um, I'm not condoning it whatsoever. That kind of sounds like, oh, I see why. But no, I'm not condoning it. It's wrong. It's BS. You know, he's 95 years old. Regardless of how rich he is, you do not steal from people. That's just wrong. And the fact that he's so elderly even makes it worse. So, good. I, I hope. You know, personally, I think that they should file some type of uh, legal documentation for, like, suing or uh, illegal, you know, embezzling, which I'm surprised there hasn't been any so far, but, um, you know, against this Morgan character. Um, okay, so we move along. That, that kind of left a, a yuck taste in the mouth. Um, and while we're talking about Marvel today, I think another thing that we need to address is James Gunn. Now, James Gunn, for people, and if you're listening to this and you don't know who James Gunn is, I'm very surprised. Uh, he is the writer and director of the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He, he did an amazing, amazing job. Um, he essentially took... C-list characters, you know, because they had tried to relaunch the comic book so many times in the past as a child. I even remember it, um, and it just didn't really appeal to me. But it was his in incarnation through the movies, through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that really turned things around and made Star-Lord and Drax and Gamora and Rocket and Groot some of the most memorable people or people characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and has now become, you know, fairly successful in the print run. Uh, even so much so that, like I said, I was just able to ramble off their names without even really thinking about it. So that's kind of where they stand. And that is all accredited to James Gunn. Now, I know, I, I know, I said all accredited to James Gunn, but it was his direction, okay? Now, yes, the, you know, Peter Quill and Gamora and Drax, they they obviously were, were actors, but they were guided, directed actors through the vision of James Gunn. So, what I'm saying is that you can even have the same actors come back for the third, and because there's going to be a different director, the acting 
is going to be different. The characters are going to be different. Even though it's the same people, it's the direction is different and it changes the characters. That's all I'm saying about that. I'm not saying they're taking anything away from the actors. You know, all the actors I think were fabulous and they've done really well. So anyway, he got fired. He posted something on Twitter like many moons ago and you know, to be completely honest with you, he really pissed somebody off. And I apologize for using the word piss. I, I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, I'm not sure if that's considered a bad word or not. Um, but he did. He he really made someone angry to the point where they went and they searched through his Twitter account for years. You know, not just like oh, says you know, search the first hundred people. You know, no, this dude literally went through. And searched and searched and searched until he found something incriminating. And I say the reason that they really don't like him is because, okay, shortly after he got fired, someone issued um, a petition saying, you know what, pretty much everything I just said about the, the last and final addition to Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, you need James Gunn to finish the vision. So the petition was, bring him back, let him finish the third, okay? And you know what? To be honest with you, I was one of the first ones to sign it to. Uh, just, I, I totally agree with that ideology. And quite frankly, when it comes down to it, um, I believe in freedom of speech. You know? I mean, even if it was a little out of place, he it's his right to say what he said. And, you know, and because it's a typed medium, now that this could be argued um, and certainly debated, but I see it as since it's a typed medium through social media, uh, it's printed. It's printed on screen, right? It's so you get freedom of press, too. You would think. You would think the Constitution of the United States would back these things up. But I guess Disney's deep pockets go past the United States Constitution, and they fire James Gunn. Okay, so with all this going on, then we've decided that, all right, we'll, we'll talk, and I say we, and I have no association with Disney. I don't know why I said we. Um, Disney decided, okay, well, we'll open dialogue with James Gunn. And when it looked like James Gunn was going to get his job back, another thing from his personal i'm assuming it was from twitter again um had issued a, a personal picture of him at a party that he threw now the big uproar about this was because it was a to catch the predator or to catch a predator um party now I know that's that's kind of like people are like, eh, but think about this, okay? Okay, think about this. Now, there is um, there's Big Bang Theory parties, right? I, I've heard plenty of those. There's the Super Bowl party, right? And I know you're probably going, well, how are you you comparing those two things to how to catch a predator party and i'll explain this right now because it's a tv show and it ran for a long time and in order to run for a long time on a tv network primetime tv network at that you have to have good ratings and in order to have good ratings you have to have people that come in and watch the show okay so that means that people watched the show. It was a TV show. It was very interesting. I admit, I'd seen a couple of episodes. When my wife was alive, she loved it. I mean, she watched it all the dang time. And there was nothing wrong with it. She just found it amusing. She thought it was ironic that these, you know, pieces of crap were getting caught and going to jail and being recorded at the same time. That is the whole premise behind Catch to Catch a Predator, okay? The good guys set up the bad guys so they could go to jail. Anyway, James Gunn, I guess, had a party. And they pretty much 
the way that it was presented was like, you know, he was uh, into pedophilia, he was a pedophiliac, and, and all this horrible, horrible stuff. And I, I was reading the article, and I'm like, you know, somebody, somebody with some serious stroke does not like James Gunn, and they seriously do not want him to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for whatever reason. Nobody knows. I don't even think anybody really knows who's behind all these contributions. Well, not all of these. The two contributions that have pretty much ruined his professional life. Now, there, the last I heard, and this was as of yesterday, was that they're not going to bring back Gunn as the director, but they are still contemplating whether to use his script. Now, again, going back to the very beginning of this topic, at least the characters, the internal conflict and story would be true to author's intent. And that's what it's all about, kids, is author's intent. That's why people are, are so bent on bringing James Gunn back. So, anyway, I, I'm hoping that they do at least keep the, the script because I, I just don't see Volume 3 being as strong as the first two volumes. And I really sincerely hope that at some point, before they even start rolling... They're like, you know what, this is just childish. Just bring back James Gunn, let him finish. And if that's what needs to be done, then let it be done. And if we're so hung up on not liking James Gunn for freedom of speech and personal like of TV shows, then just don't bring him back for any more. But let him at least finish the work. You know, that's just that's just the way I see it. It's kind of like it's it's different because like in in TV Land, okay, not TV Land, the the, the station, just TV itself. Um, you know, there's there's a, a plethora of TV writers in the writing room. They come up and they write a script, and you know, it, it kind of goes from there. But in in the cinematic world of cinema yeah. um, you know typically typically there's um, a head writer and then maybe one or two assistant writers maybe depending on how big it is you know but for this instant it's it's not like TV and it's just you know let him finish his work since we're talking about TV um Let's look at something else that's been brought to my attention, which I think is very interesting. Um, is now I, I mentioned this previously that I, I enjoyed the Gotham series. At first, I wasn't too keen on the idea of a kid Batman and whatnot, but if you listen to any back episodes of seeing red, it is uh, Rebecca and Aaron who actually talked me into watching the, the Gotham. And once I sat down and I got over my own, whatever issues I had, I enjoyed it and I've watched them all except this last season. And from what I'm understanding, it's, it's coming to an end because um, for one reason or another, I, I guess it's just uh, what it comes down to, kids, is that the the ratings have dropped, and it's and it's just people the the steam behind it is fading. But they want to keep the clamor to some of the TV shows, so they're actually making a prequel to Gotham, uh, and it's it's a uh, an Alfred Pennyworth prequel and it's probably going to go into you know when he was in mi6 and when he was in england and how he was a bad butt um yeah that was on the fly edit right there kids um 
trying, like I said, I'm trying to keep this clean. Um, you know, and, and he, uh, he was just all around tough guy. And I, I can see that. Now, I do like this incarnation of Pennyworth or Alfred. Um, I, I like it. I like that the butler is his protector, you know? And it just, it feels right. But the problem with this is, is it's only going to last about one season. Because regardless of how compelling and how gripping this show, the writing, the direction, the acting is, we it's Alfred who in time becomes the butler for Thomas and Martha Wayne and the eventual guardian to Bruce Wayne who becomes Batman. We already know where this is going. So, you know, unless they themselves use somebody other than uh, the person that's playing Alfred now and make them younger, then that might work. You know, I, I you might get a couple seasons, but the what is his name? I'm trying to think. Let's see if I can look here. I don't see. Uh, how about I read the article to you and then we'll go from there. Okay. And it is Batman TV prequel Pennyworth reportedly begins filming this fall. Over on Fox, Gotham is nearing its conclusion. Gotham City is in flames, and it is up to Bruce Wayne to rise up to the occasion. Become the Bat and save the city. On the upcoming DC Universe streaming service, Titans, Dick Grayson is on an all-out or is on the outs with Batman, but he will find strength within himself as the leader of the new team. As the origin story ends and the legacy adventure begins, the premium cable network Epic will give us another Batman-related live-action series, a bet one much, much different. Three months ago, it was announced by MGM-owned network would be produced Pennyworth, a prequel series that explores the origin story of Batman's most trusted friend, mentor, an ally, Alfred Pennyworth. Epic gives, excuse me, Epic gives Pennyworth a straight-to-series order of ten episodes for the first season. Now, it appears that the series is already set to begin shooting in this fall, according to a list of Production Weekly. The Batman prequel series will begin shooting in London, England on November 21st. It is said that the production of these 10 episodes will go on to seven full months, bringing the end of the, the shoot somewhere around June. Little is known about the series itself other than it takes place in London during the 1960s, where a young Alfred, okay, there we go, it's, so it's not even going to be the same actor, Himself, a British Special Air Force, or excuse me, a Special Air Service veteran, meets Thomas Wayne, the father of the future ward. While all fans know that Alfred has begun working for the Waynes for a long time, this will actually be the first time that we see how Thomas and Alfred meet and how the latter ultimately move from London to Gotham City. The series might share an ex executive producer, Danny Cannon, and Bruno Heller from Gotham, but Pennyworth is not meant to be the prequel to the Fox series. Interesting. Um, where actor Sean Pertwee, ah, there's the name, Sean Pertwee, plays the role of Bruce's butler. There, uh, uh, try that again. 
There have been no official casting announcements on the role of young Alfred Pennyworth yet. Although, with production starting date that is fast approaching, that may soon change. So, I, again, you know, it, it, eh, you know, it might be worth a one-season binge watch, you know? But I really don't see anything going forward after the first season of Pennyworth. Uh, you know, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I just don't see it going past one season. Something that I see that just jumps right out at me is the... Let's see. Where did it go here? It is... Okay, well, first, let me say the Meg, Megalodon. Um, no. Just no. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, it's just an oversized Jaws. I, you know, I, I just... I... Well, I don't know. You know, what Sharknado's on like six movies now, so I guess people like them, but I, I don't know. I just don't see... I don't see it, you know? I mean, to me, it's just one big, big shark. I'm like, eh. I don't know. But, yeah, so I see it, and I'm just like, no. No. Because, yeah, no. No, I'm not even going to go into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to go into it. Um, but it's called The Meg. Which I instantly think of Family Guy. You know, shut up, Mag. So, yeah, let's just go ahead and pass that on and say, I am going to pass this in the movie theaters, on streaming video, on Blu-ray, and on bootleg. I will just move right along. So, moving right along to something that I know that I will, in fact, see in the theaters. And that is the live-action Mulan. Now, I, I admit, when it first came out, I did not see Mulan. Uh, it would be many, many years later, as I am now a father of two girls. And they brought Mulan to home video, I think it was at the time. Well, now, when I say home video, I mean like DVD. And the girls enjoyed it, and I... Well, actually, it was before my youngest daughter, whose name is Lily. It was uh, Zoe, my middle daughter, my middle child, my first daughter, um, who we had the movie for, and she had watched it multiple times. So I, I enjoyed the movie. I liked the whole process, the premise behind it, um, everything I liked. Okay? So one thing that I'm excited about is that Disney is kicking out, well, okay, they started with Beauty and the Beast, live action adaptation. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, I, I can say that in all honesty. Again, it, another movie, that the cartoon or the animated movie, I didn't see until the birth of my girls. But I, I've come to enjoy it. And it's uh, it's very whimsical. It's very fun. It's I like the music. You know, I, I like Disney. It's a Disney animated movie. Well, they they were able to translate that into live action. Now, if they take that and they apply that to Mulan in a live action formula or live action medium. I think that it will be absolutely fantastic. Now, we, we've learned, and don't get me wrong, I think what I'm about to say, the movie I'm about to mention is a great movie, but I think it misses the live version adaptation, and that was The Jungle Book. Uh, I actually have The Jungle Book for my home video collection, but I just feel that it was missed it was a miss, rather, 
um, simply because of the animated, well, the reality of of seeing what would look like real animals talk and sing. Something in the back of your head just says, no, that's that's not right. That's not right. But it translates when you look at it in a digital or hand-drawn animated state. It's just like, okay, you can suspend belief. You know, it works. So I think maybe that's why they're focusing back on Mulan because Mulan is about a human and has a very human story behind her about, you know, uh, having to go to, well, she, instead of her father going to war, she, she pretends to be a male and goes to war for him. That's pretty much the premise of Mulan. And that is a great premise all in itself. And if they follow hand in hand with the animated script like they did with Beauty and the Beast, I think I think there's going to be a hit. I really do. And though I can say that like my, my son, who he'll be 17 in November, he'll probably be a pass on this movie, but it's okay because I, I still have my two girls and I'll take them. Uh, I think that the girls will enjoy it, and I think I will enjoy it too. It's you know, it's just one of those things that I honestly think that will translate nicely into live action. Now, as we move along, and I'm looking at different headlines, another thing that kind of caught my attention. Um, now, I grew up in the '80s, and I watched the original Voltron. The original Lion Voltron. I watched the Card Voltron too, to be honest with you. And I loved the original Voltron. So when Netflix came out with a different rendition of Voltron in the last year or so, I watched a couple of episodes and I just felt that it just it, it wasn't for me and it wasn't that i felt that the the show was lacking anything it just didn't have that 80s feel to it that creative 80s feel and you can watch anything and that, either it be anime or a live action movie 80s cinema had a feel whether it be Big screen or small screen. It, it just had that 80s feel. So I only watched a couple episodes. And I just kind of passed on it. So I, I, I guess it's it's gone on to, I don't know even how many seasons it's gone to. Um, and one of the things that caught my eye, my eye was that in the, the headlines, it talks about Voltron's sole showrunner apologized for series handling gay relationships. Now, I, I'm a little confused because who who do they make gay? Um, because I mean, I, and now I'm trying to even remember at this point that did they even bring back the original cast? I can't remember. Hmm. I'm trying to remember. I, I don't even remember. I don't think they did. I, I think there was a variation to it. But the reason I bring this up is because I don't think any of them were gay. I'm pretty sure that they weren't because they all had even, uh, what was his name? Pidge? Pidge? The little scrawny guy? He, he even him, had a, a crush on Princess Alora. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. I, I might actually just watch that to see what happened. I, I'm uh, because I, I didn't even know, to be honest with you. But I think it's worth mentioning, you know, as far as newsworthy stuff. Um, uh, let's see, Voltron Legacy Defenders showrunner Joaquin Dos Santos is aware the animated series handling. Shiro's sexual orientation was not properly 
perceived by many as originally intended. Okay, I I don't even know who Shiro is. Shiro. That they must must be somebody new. They they might not even be. Um. The the original cast. It it might have completely gone on to something else now. Uh, so I'll tell you what because I don't know. So I can't really interject any opinion or thoughts on it because I don't know and I don't want to come across like talking out of my my butt so um, we'll just go ahead and cross that out and move along um, you know and, and orientation is, is a tricky thing to to put out there you know um, you've got to handle it with class and dignity you know because Regardless if they're animated or not, you know, they're human beings and you've got to treat the characters with class and dignity. Even the, the antagonists, you have to approach it. And, um, yeah, so maybe I'll sit down and, and binge watch and, and catch up and then I'll put my two cents in. But since I don't know, I can't say and I'm moving right along. So, another thing that is jumping right out at me, just like doing a handstand, which I'm like, wow, but it totally makes sense, um, is Fox has pulled Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer license from Dark Horse Comics. That so sucks, um, because they've had that license for... 20 something years easily and they're the ones that have produced the the comic to you know Buffy the Vampires and uh, even Joss Whedon I believe came in and wrote a little bit to it actually more than a little bit but he came in and wrote almost like a whole season anyway um, since Disney and their their um, huge bankroll which I'm actually for. Don't get me wrong, okay? Um, because I know what the whole purpose behind Disney buying Fox for the cinematic universe. Now, I'm a huge X-Men fan. And every single incarnation of the X-Men have been wrong, depressing, and a waste of money. And you can quote me on that. And hopefully... Being that they're back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hopefully that the reboots that's going to come is going to be better, a better incarnation. Now, part of the drawback behind that is, is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was owned by 20th Century Fox. And now since uh, DC owns it, why did I say DC? Now that Disney owns that property, it's only natural to pull that away because they own Marvel Comics. So expect Marvel Comics to start producing Buffy uh, comic books here in the, in the, the future. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that, that's... I mean, that's too bad because I feel that Dark Horse produces good quality stuff, so that's kind of a shame. Okay, since we're talking about Marvel, we're back on track with Marvel. Um, the official synopsis of Avengers 4 has been released. Let's see, I'm pulling it up right now, and we'll find out what the official word is. Okay, and it says... The fourth installment of the Avengers saga will draw audience to witness the turning point of this epic journey. Our beloved heroes will truly understand how fragile this reality is and the sacrifices that must be made to uphold it. That is very ominous. Ooh. Now, according to my son, who is a huge Iron Man fan, um, he has spoilers, even though it's just a rumor. Um, there is talk that 
Iron Man is going to die in Avengers 4. Um, I really enjoyed the first uh, Infinity War. I, I know it's not called Infinity War 2 like it was originally, but Avengers 4. Um, but Avengers 3 was just excellent. And I really hope that they can keep the standard high uh, because 3 was really good, and I'm hoping 4 can just keep it going. Um, so, yeah. So... I'm thinking this is where because there from the last movie there was rumors that Iron Man was going to die, Thor was going to die, you know, all the original heroes were going to die. And I I think that's pretty much I think is what's going to happen. I don't know. We'll have to sit back and watch and see what happens. I'm really excited. I really want to see it when it comes out. And Hopefully, it'll meet everybody's expectations. <sighs> All right, kids. That is it. Um, I've been on a roll for almost an hour. Wow. Um, and I didn't even get a chance to touch on Star Wars. Uh, I'll have to come back next time. and, and I'll, I'll start with Star Wars because I have always got an opinion on Star Wars. So, thank you again for stopping in. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can find other great podcasts on the Jazel Modcast Podcast Network. Um, and that you can find at www.jayzomon.com backslash Modcast. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking when I came up with that. But it is J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-D-C-A-S-T. And there you will find a plethora of fun and new audio podcast shows. Uh, you can also find us, uh, like I said, on YouTube, uh, on our Jazel Modcast YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us, uh, probably by the time this gets out, it'll, we'll already be on. We'll be on Stitcher and we'll be on iTunes and Anywhere that allows me to run my mouth for you folks to enjoy. So for this first reboot episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am your host, David K. Montoya. And for this week, I bid you adieu.